Praise God, everybody. I call you blessed in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. This is the day the Lord has made. I don't know about you, but I've been rejoicing and I've been glad in it. I pray that that's the same for you as well. Uh, the psalmist said, I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. And I know that you're not necessarily here with me in this building, but you're here with me connected uh, via this uh, video, whether that's on YouTube or Facebook. And so I want to welcome all of you to midweek service, whether you're uh, a Facebook uh, person or a, or a YouTube person. We're glad you're connected. Also, if you're uh, either Facebook or YouTube, you know, do a share. Uh, hit the like button. Share it with somebody. Let's get the, uh, let's get the word out and have other people uh, hear and see the, the things that God is doing um, in our midst. Amen? And so I encourage you in that. Um, let me have a word of prayer, and we're just going to get right to it. Father, I give you honor and glory. We thank you <clears throat> so much for another opportunity to gather, to, to, to gather together, uh, to hear the word of God, to worship you, to lift you up high, to lift your name up high. Uh, and we just ask for your special anointing for tonight. Lord, not just the anointing for me to be able to speak with clarity, but the anointing for uh, everyone to hear what it is the Spirit would say to the church and, and to each person individually. We ask as well that you open our minds to understand and comprehend, but Lord, open our hearts to receive, even the difficult stuff, open our hearts to receive absolutely everything that you have for us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. A uh, couple of, uh, let me just give you this announcement, and then I want to share a couple of things with you before we get into the teaching. Um, so far, I have not had any additional reports, <coughs> excuse me, of uh, positive tests for, from anyone uh, as it regards uh, coronavirus, and that was kind of the, uh, the uh, litmus test, if you will, that I was uh, following, that if we received any more positive results, we were probably going to delay coming back to in-person services. Excuse me just a minute. <coughs> And if we didn't have any more positives, then we were going to get ready to come back into action here live in the house. Well, uh, so far, no more positives. So the idea at this point uh, that we're shooting for, <coughs> excuse me, um, the idea that we're shooting for that I will confirm next Wednesday night, I will give you a confirmation of this next Wednesday night, is that we're back here in church on Sunday morning, November the 1st. Now, when we uh, had to shut down having services, we were having a 9 o'clock service and an 11 o'clock service. So we're going to take it steps at a time, and we'll come back to one service that will be at 11 o'clock. And then we'll kind of see how it goes with uh, all of our seating uh, and, and our overflow area. And then when people start coming back in uh, and we see that it's now time to add that additional service, uh, then we'll do so. <clears throat> so once again, that's the goal. That's the goal uh, to come back on November the 1st. But um, don't write it in stone until you hear from me next Wednesday night that it's confirmed. And we'll be able to get that information out uh, far deeper in the crowds than just Facebook and YouTube. We have mass uh, texts and emails and phone calls and all kinds of other venues to communicate with folks. So that's coming up, November 1st, 11 o'clock, one service, uh, barring any more uh, positive COVID test. That being said, if you get a positive COVID test, I, you know, I still, I need you to call me. I need you to let me know. And I, I don't want you to, uh, to sit at home and say, well, I got a positive COVID test, but I'm not going to report it to Pastor Rick because then he'll delay coming back to service. Listen, your safety your health and your well-being is as important, if not more important, than coming into the house of the Lord. There's, a, there's something powerful about coming into the house of the Lord, but you need to be healthy and you need to be whole. And I know that this is a place of healing as well. That's why we keep doing what we're doing. Amen? But uh, you can help protect yourself and protect other people. 
uh, from this, uh, this, this flu. I know it's the flu, but it is also a deadly flu uh, to the vulnerable, to those who have a compromised immune uh, deficiency system, immune system, excuse me. Uh, it's just very important that we treat this carefully. Again, we walk in faith, not in fear. We don't panic because we can pray, and we don't worry because we know who we worship. Amen. Praise God. <clears throat> and so that being said, um, yeah, let's keep, give me calls, let me know. I uh, also want to say thank you. Uh, you know, I've been making a plea to you that if you are sick, for whatever, call me and let me have the opportunity to pray with you. And I've been using James 5 where it says, call on the elders of the church. You've been texting me, you've been letting me know, and I've been able to communicate back with you. That draws us close together, and it, it, and it accomplishes the Word of God in your life. Praise God. So thank you for doing that. I want you to keep letting us know if you're um, having any sickness uh, or anything along those lines so we can believe with you. <clears throat> the other issue before we get into the teaching tonight is to kind of talk about something that's going to take place in... Is it 13 days? I think it's 13 days now that the election is going to be happening. The countdown uh, has really begun, and I have spoken to you so far about um, not considering the personality that uh, is, is before you, whether that be President uh, Donald Trump or former Vice President Joe Biden. They're just people. Uh, they're just men. Uh, they're fallible. They, they have problems and skills just like everybody else does. But, so I need you to look past the person, past the personality. It isn't about who you like and who you don't like. It's about the machine behind them, the political platform that is pushing them, that is um, motivating them, and that is energizing them. Uh, and so I, I have been talking to you about a document... <clears throat> called the Party Platform Comparison, and I've been giving you information about how to go to that website and to uh, take a look at some of the comparisons. I wanted to just go over a couple of the comparisons with you in the very beginning of tonight, uh, um, because the election's coming up, and it's part of my responsibility uh, as a pastor to give you enough information so that you can go walk out your salvation with fear and trembling to do the right thing, to do your best to cast a vote not based on personality, not based on who you like or who you dislike, uh, but vote for the platform of God's Word. That, you know, that's what it's all about. Take a look at the entire thing. Be a, an informed voter. Don't just go and flip a coin. I don't know that person. You know, be informed. Let this be something that can be said of you that you're informed about what you're doing. <clears throat> On the second page of this document, there's a, a, a place called Religious Liberty. Now, brothers and sisters, if you don't know it, our religious liberties are under attack. No doubt about it. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in the lesson tonight. And uh, that is one of the biggest things that's, that's going on. You need to look at the party platform that uh, is, is more... Uh, leans more toward the Word of God, yes, but leans more to make sure that there's religious liberties and none of the liberties that we have are taken away from us. So I want to read uh, some of these from the Republican platform and from the Democrat platform. <clears throat> Here's from the Republican platform. Strongly supports the freedom of Americans to act in accordance with their religious beliefs not only in their houses of worship, but also in their everyday lives. Praise God. Ongoing attempts to compel individuals, businesses, and institutions of faith to transgress their beliefs or, or excuse me, are part of a misguided effort to undermine religion and drive it from the public square. I didn't write that. That's, that's, that's in this list. Here's number, the, the, the last thing. We value the right of America's religious leaders to preach, and Americans to speak freely according to their faith. Amen. The government is constitutionally, uh, the government is constitutionally prohibited from policing or censoring speech based on religious convictions or beliefs. Amen. That's why I sit here 
without fear, without trepidation, saying, I'm going to speak the truth. I'm not going to cut corners. I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm not going to be politically correct. I'm not going to have any intent to offend. Of course not. And I have no intent to be mean, uh, but I want to follow, and I want to be biblically correct, and I want to lead you down that path of doing what the Bible says. And according to the Republican Party platform, they are working toward ensuring that we are never shut down and that we are never shut up. Amen. Now, on the Democrat side, check this out. We will fight to enact the Equality Act, a bill that would remove religious liberty protection and even force churches to violate their tenets of faith. Okay, that, that, that might have made me a little bit angry right there. That that's a part of the platform. It's, it, it's, an, it's an act called the Equality Act, a bill that would remove religious liberty protections and even force churches to violate their tenets of faith. Come on, y'all. We need to fight. Don't vote for the person. Don't vote for the personality. Vote for the platform that most closely matches the platform of God's holy word. Amen. I also want to just read one more. It's down here under the area of sex education. This, this is mind-blowing, y'all. Here's the, uh, de- the Republican uh, platform. Supports sexual risk avoidance education that sets abstinence until marriage as the responsible and respected standard of behavior. <laughs> That's awesome. But check this out. The Democrat platform on sex education supports LGBTQ plus I. I know, it's expanded. Uh, that's, uh, the I stands for inclusive. Sex education with a full range of family planning services. I'm telling you that one side, the Republican side, matches the Word of God. The other side, the Democrat party platform is stands in opposition to the word of God and that which stands in opposition to the word of God is sin so what are you going to vote for you're going to vote for the party platform that most closely aligns itself with God's holy word we got just a couple of weeks and then it's all going to come down and let's pray you know what I'm praying for (laughs) I've been praying here in the last couple of days. I said, Lord, I pray that President uh, Trump wins by such a landslide margin that there is no debating it. There's just no way they can do anything but concede in this thing. Can you, can you agree with me on that? Because if this thing is close at all, you know, we got trouble down the road, people of God, and we better be ready, better be prepared for that. Amen. All right, I want to get into the, uh, the teaching tonight. I sent out a phone call earlier today that I was going to be talking about the spirit of Antichrist and the progressive church and also about uh, watching out for the warnings that were giving, given about the end times. Brothers and sisters, we're living smack dab in the middle of a period of history, a time period of history where the battle between the kingdom of God and the battle between the kingdom of Satan is absolutely at a fevered pitch. I mean, the battle is hot. It's happening. Why? Well, it's due to the fact that we're in the last of the last days. That's why Satan is trying to to do his best to take one good final shot at the church, one good final shot at Christians, and we're nearing the Lord's return, and he knows, Satan knows, that he's ultimately going to be destroyed, and so is his pseudo-kingdom. Amen. And one of the primary results, one of the primary schemes of Satan and his kingdom is to stand in opposition to God, and to stand in opposition to the church, which is, quite frankly, nothing less than a full frontal assault against Christianity. We're seeing it. Okay, we're seeing it everywhere with 
with uh, churches. Out in California, it's really bad right now, you know, with the churches that are being closed down, pastors that are deciding they're going to continue to uh, have service, that are being fined upwards of a quarter of a million dollars and so forth and so on because they're having services. Or, or they're, they're having services but singing because they're not supposed to sing. Come on, the enemy is trying to shut down God's church. And it is the spirit of Antichrist. I want you to understand that that is what we're dealing with. If you have your Bibles with you, and you should because it's midweek service, midweek Bible study, <clears throat> would you open your Bible, please, to 1 John chapter 2? And I want to read verses 18 through 23. I'll give you a minute to get there. First John chapter 2, verses 18 uh, through 23. Here we go. Children, it is the last hour. And just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us, but they went out so that it would be shown that they are not of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father, and the one who confesses the Son has the Father also. Now, I am certain that the working of the spirit of Antichrist, whether the Antichrist is uh, the, the single individual is alive and well and being brought up or is on the, in the starting blocks getting ready to do what he's destined to do or whether we're still just dealing with that spirit that is preparing the way for him, I believe with all my being that that is going to increase exponentially as we get closer to the Lord's coming. We're going to see more and more and more of the spirit of Antichrist rising up. Now, I want to take for a minute, kind of just, let's break a word apart. Let's take a closer look at this word, Antichrist. The word Christ comes from the Greek word Christo, which is the equivalent to the Hebrew word Mashiach, which means Messiah. So in both cases, it means Messiah. And when we use the term Antichrist, <clears throat> Excuse me, what we're actually saying is anti-Messiah. Now, this word anti is really interesting in the Greek because it has a twofold meaning. First and foremost, it means against. So, anti means against. Anti-Messiah means against Messiah. But listen at this. This is very interesting that the secondary meaning of this word anti is in place of. In place of the Messiah. Think about it for a minute. The spirit of Messiah, excuse me, the spirit of Antichrist, sorry about that, the spirit of Antichrist is that spirit that is not only against the Messiah, but has an expression of being a replacement, a replacement for the Messiah, a lookalike, a clone, something that looks like it, but it's not the real deal. And when you get a hold of this, if you can get your head wrapped around this, when you get a hold of this, it becomes easier to see the spirit of Antichrist extremely active, not only across the land, not only in politics, but you can see the spirit of Antichrist alive and well, and unfortunately, sadly, tragically, alive in the church. Oh my goodness. See, Satan's ultimate purpose is to replace the true Messiah with a false Messiah. Satan wants to replace the gospel of Jesus Christ with the gospel of self. That's what it's all about. 
Galatians chapter 1, verse 8 says this, and you, can write, you should write some of these references down because in this uh, Wednesday night format that I'm using right now, we're not putting any of the references upon the screen. So hopefully you have a notebook, your Bible, and you're taking notes. And, and if not, you can always go back and watch it again. <clears throat> but Galatians 1.8 says, But even if we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Woe. The apostle... Paul, he had one primary message that he preached everywhere that he went. In fact, he made it a, a, a uh, he, he wasn't going to allow himself to be distracted by any other gospel, so-called gospels. He was going to stick to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We find that to be true because 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2 says this, Paul writing says, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, Paul was brilliant. Paul was schooled in so many different things, in so many different languages. He was absolutely, he knew his stuff, okay? But he said, I don't care about all that stuff I know. I am determining, I'm making a determination that I'm going to keep my focus. I'm going to be fixated on the gospel of Jesus Christ and not be deceived and not be distracted by a false gospel. Now, there is a stream of so-called Christianity that fits right in with, and quite frankly, I believe is controlled by the spirit of Antichrist. And it's called progressive Christianity. We've heard that word a lot, progressive, as it relates to politics. Uh, it's been said many, many, many times that uh, former Vice President Joe Biden will be will probably be the most progressive liberal president in history. That doesn't sound like good news to us, does it? <laughs> so if you were to apply that same thought process to progressive Christianity, it's going so far away from the standards of rule, from the foundation of God's word, that it is mo the most extreme that it's ever been. So I want to talk to you for a few minutes about progressive Christianity uh, and the spirit of Antichrist. Now, typically, Christian or Christianity is a capitalized word, but because I'm so, I stand in antithesis to this, I chose to not even capitalize the word Christianity while putting it together with the word progressive, okay, because it's not Christianity. You know, let me share a little bit about it with you. It's, <laughs> it's probably going to mess with your brain a little bit, but... Uh, Sit tight, uh, and, and let's do this. Progressive Christianity wants to claim a commitment to the gospels of Jesus Christ, the things that Jesus taught, but they want to at the same time live a life of, uh, of uh, cultural correctness and cultural assimilation. Progressive Christianity sounds an awful lot like the Nicolaitans in the book of Revelation who wanted the best of both worlds, to, to, to have Christianity and all the, the, uh, the benefits that come from it, but to live in the world however we want to live, as long as we're just good people and have love. In other words, there are certain parts of Christianity, for the progressive Christianity, certain parts of the Christian faith that are cool, and, well, certain parts that are uncool. So we'll just do the cool stuff, but not the uncool. Progressive Christianity likes to label us. They like to label those who choose to live a biblical, godly, holy, separated lifestyle. They like to uh, label us social extremists or bigots or, or haters. It's almost as if, you know, if you're a true believer, a disciple of Jesus Christ, and you don't accept the liberal, political, and social party platform that they're trying to force down your throat, if you won't agree with and accept the new sexuality that's embodied in the LGBTQ, then you're a social outcast. You're like a social pariah, someone to be hated and someone to be generally despised. That's what's happening in this progressive Christianity. But don't be surprised by that. You and I should not be surprised by that at all because Jesus told us this would happen. Jesus told us in John chapter 15, verses 18 through 19, he said this, listen. 
if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, then the world would love you. Yet because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Don't get upset by that. That's prophesied by uh, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that the world would hate those who stand up for truth. We are are social pariahs. That's an interesting word. I looked it up today, and it pretty much means someone who is hated and or despised. Mm. Progressive Christianity, and throughout the remainder of this teaching, when I say that, I'm going to follow it up with the spirit of Antichrist because I believe that in the church, in, the, in churchdom, that the spirit of Antichrist is at work and motivating and is absolutely at the heart of progressive Christianity. Progre- Here's some of this, the standards of progressive Christianity, the spirit of Antichrist, preaches that God was not sovereign over creation. That's the Big Bang Theory. That God is not sovereign over the lives of people. Stuff just happens. This is just life. Progressive Christianity, the spirit of Antichrist, preaches that God did not really come in the flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ. He was just a great prophet. He was just a great rabbi who died like all the rest. They, they say uh, that he did not perform miracles. He did not physically rise from the dead. Uh, progressive Christianity, the spirit of Antichrist, preaches that the Bible is not really the authentic God-breathed Word of God, that it is not the final authority on morality, it's not the final authority on anything, but it has to be understood according to evolving science and political agendas. Culture of the day, that's how we define the Word of God. That, my friends, is progressive Christianity, and it is the spirit of Antichrist. The spirit of Antichrist, uh, progressive Christianity, is an effort to adapt and reform Christianity according to the spirit of the age. Get with the program, y'all. It's 2020. Come on, church. Be more like the world. Dress like the world look like the world, do what the world does, get with the program, get up to date. That's progressive Christianity. My pastor, he often talks about how he's labeled old school. Guess what? He's proud of it. (laughs) Amen. And when it comes to my Christianity, I'm old school as well. I'm proud of it. You should be proud of it as well. Let's give the Lord a praise. Amen. We are not progressive Christians. We're fundamental Christians. And we don't have the spirit of Antichrist. we got the spirit of God Almighty. Amen. Progressive Christianity, um, listen, it's being propagated from church pulpits all the way to so-called Christian college campuses that are only so Christian by name. Progressive Christianity, the spirit of Antichrist, decorates churches with gay pride flags and have ordained ministers who bless abortion clinics. What? Progressive Christianity, the spirit of Antichrist, has those celebrity pastors who become kind of self-styled spokesmen reinterpreting what God really meant when he said certain things in the Word of God. That's progressive Christianity. My friends, I'm going to tell you what it actually is. It's a form of Christianity that's not Christianity at all. It's the spirit of Antichrist. Let me read, I want to read a couple uh, uh, of things from you. It just kind of fits with what I'm talking about, what progressive Christianity, the spirit of Antichrist, wants to do. I'm not doing this to offend anybody, I'm just bringing you the facts, and I told you last week I do my fact checking. Uh, In a documentary that premiered Wednesday in Rome, Pope Francis called for the passage of civil union laws for same-sex couples, departing from the position of the Vatican's doctrinal office and the Pope's predecessors on the issue. Can can I help you with something? From what I understand, the Pope, uh, by Catholics, is considered 
equal to Father God, and whatever he speaks is the word of God. And it's one of the, if not the largest religion in the world. And now that leader is trying to find a way to pass it, a civil union laws for same-sex couples. Is that in the word of God? No, friends. That's, that stands anti the word. The, let me continue. The remarks came amid a portion of the documentary that reflected on pastoral care for those who identify as LGBT. Homosexuals have a right to be a part of the church family. They're children of God and have a right to the church family. Nobody should be thrown out or be made miserable of it. And Pope Francis said in the film of his approach, um, that's what he said in his, his uh, approach to pastoral care. Now, I agree, I agree with part of that. I don't want anyone to feel ostracized. Uh, you know, if a person is, is, is homosexual, they're gay, and they want to come here, I mean, as long as they're not coming here to propagate an agenda, and if they want to live like Jesus says live, they're welcome here. We're not, gonna, we're not haters. We're not bigots, Okay. After those remarks, and in comments likely to spark controversy among Catholics, Pope Francis weighed in directly on the issue of civil unions for same-sex couples. We, quote, we, we, what we have to create is a civil union law. That way, they are legally covered, the Pope said. Pope Frank Francis encouraged two Italian men in a same-sex relationship to raise their children in their parish church which one of the men said was greatly beneficial to his children. He didn't, he didn't mention what was his opinion on my family, the man said. Probably he's following the doctrine to this point. Now, that was telling. That was a telling quote by this, this man from this same-sex couple with a kid. He's probably following the doctrine on this point. What is that saying? He doesn't know the doctrine. So, so the spiritual leader can say whatever he wants to say. The man said, while praising the Pope for a disposition and attitude of welcome and encouragement. And I, I get that, welcome and encouragement, but not encouragement to continue to sin. No. All right, I know I probably upset a few folks, but I'm just bringing you the truth. Now, about how Christianity has been watered down, it's been happening for a while, it, 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 it kind of started happening. Progressive Christianity was all a part of the user-friendly, the seeker-sensitive, the, uh, the, you know, let's have all the lights and the mirrors and the smoke and the, make it like a nightclub kind of thing, and, and, and let's just dress down, and, and we'll do whatever we want to do, and we'll just you know, share the gospel of Jesus that we love, and, and all's well. Um, that's what all this is, is stemmed from. And so this is a poll uh, a stunning poll has just been released from the Christian Post regarding the current condition of the church today. Of the church today. I, I, I was upset about this. According to a new poll, approximately four out of ten American Christians say they believe the Bible is ambiguous on abortion. Well, that's because... Probably four out of ten people don't know what the Bible says. Just like this other guy over here says, well, it's apparently the Pope's following his doctrine. Let me go on. The report, the report found that 44% of respondents surveyed from the Barna group said they believe the Bible is ambiguous in its teaching about abortion. While 34%, are you ready for this? 34% of those surveyed said abortion is morally acceptable. According to Barna, these findings on opinions about abortion were part of a broader departure from biblical truth by self-identified American Christians. The irony of the reshaping of the spiritual landscape in America is that it represents a post-Christian reformation driven by people seeking to retain a Christian identity. If that didn't sound like what I just talked about with, with the progressive Christianity, wanting the, loving the gospels and the things that Jesus had to say, but you know, the rest is irrelevant, and we're going to live however we want to live. Let me finish the last paragraph, and I'll get on with my teaching. Unfortunately, the theology of this Reformation is being driven 
by American culture and not biblical truth. Even more shocking, as if it can get any more shocking, even more shocking was the fact that the report also revealed that 34% of self-identified Christians reject the idea that marriage is defined as being between one man and one woman, one woman, and 40% accept lying as morally acceptable if it advances personal interests or protects one's reputation. Progressive Christianity, the spirit of Antichrist. It's a form of Christianity, but it's not Christianity. It's a form of godliness, but it has no power therein. It is devoid of the power of the Spirit of God because it is controlled by the power of the Spirit of Antichrist. A progressive Christianity that denies the divinity of Christ, that, that treats his incarnation and his resurrection from the dead as, as myths and reimagines human nature away from God, that, 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 that sexual expression and the freedom to do so is just another take on faith. No, friends. It's another gospel entirely. Galatians chapter 1, verse 8, the Apostle Paul said, But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you, then what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. My, 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 my. Why am I having you download this document about party platforms? Because one side more closely resembles the Word of God. The other side more closely resembles the spirit of Antichrist and progressive Christianity. I don't capitalize that Christianity because it ain't no Christianity at all. I know my grammar wasn't good there. Let me talk to you about spiritual warnings. Have you ever uh, driving down the road and you come on a road sign and it says, danger ahead, bridge out, or detour, road closed? Uh, that, you know, Diane and I, when we were uh, on vacation this summer, um, we were over in the Ludington area. We were, I don't know, some 20 or 30 miles outside of town at a KOA camping park. And it, you had to drive back through the back roads and stuff. And we came, we were following GPS. We got to a certain point, and there was a sign that said, uh, road closed ahead, no, no through traffic. And so, <laughs> obviously... I'm a little, I, I, Diane will tell you, I, I drive between, I, I, I stay between the lines and drive the speed limit mo the most part and, and pretty patient and abide by the rules. So I was like, dang, by the GPS, we're not that far from the place, but we got to take this detour. And oh my gosh, it took us all the way around to this other side. And, and, uh, you know, I kept wanting to go down that road just to see if it really was any passage or not. I was tempted to, uh, uh, to disregard the warning sign and go on down there and find out. Now, a few days later, Andy and Erica came up, and, and uh, Erica, you know, I love her, man. She, she's outside the lines. <laughs> That's a cool thing about her. They saw the sign and went, well, let's just go check it out. Sure enough, it was just a little gravel bump in the road, and it wasn't closed at all, yet there was closed signs and the, the detour that we had to take. Now, obviously, uh, every day after that, we disregarded the warning signs. But on any given day, we could have driven down there, and there would have been the machinery tearing out that road, and we'd had to find a way to back out of there. Road signs, they are there for a purpose. We're facing similar situations in the church today. Warning signs of trouble ahead. And we, let me hear me out. We're, we're either going to heed the warnings... Or we're going to keep going forward um, with no thought or no regard to the potential danger that may lie ahead. The Apostle Paul put up a warning sign in his second letter to the church of Thessalonians. Would you turn there to 2 Thessalonians with me, please? Let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And we only have just a little bit more. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 through 12. Here we go. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. You could almost say the spirit of Antichrist. 
Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Then that lawless one, who is not necessarily the spirit of Antichrist, but the Antichrist, will be revealed whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. That is, the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan and all power with all power and signs and false wonders, and with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive, are you ready? The love of the truth. <laughs> did you hear that? They did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false in order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth and took pleasure in wickedness. Road sign, warning, warning, there it is. See, the, the apostle wrote a similar warning over in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 through 2, where he says, Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in latter times some will depart from faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Progressive Christianity and the spirit of Antichrist. The danger for the church today is to look at the warning signs and then say, it doesn't look too bad. That doesn't look too dangerous. Let's check it out. So many in the church today are playing the political, social, cultural relativism game. They've done so for so long that they no longer even accept the truth of God's Word. Exactly what I read here. The fear of the Lord and the warnings of Scripture no longer make the hair stand up on the back of their neck or prick their heart because they don't really believe there's trouble ahead. He's a good God. Yes, of course he is. He's not going to send anybody to hell. He's going to judge those who oppose his truth. Count on it. It's a warning. And the result of that is that many people in the church, because of progressive Christianity and the spirit of Antichrist, many people in the church have been left vulnerable of a strong delusion and believing a lie. Brothers and sisters, you need to be very careful about who you're listening to, who you're watching on TV, who you're sowing money to. They better be speaking the whole truth and nothing but the truth, not just a good part of the gospel that is a feel-good gospel about self. So these folks, they'll drive uh, the dangerous road believing they're perfectly safe. Why? Because they're under a delusion. They're totally unaware of the danger ahead. The Apostle Paul instructed Timothy in, uh, in, in the second writing to Timothy in chapter 3. Would you turn there with me? 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting with verse 13. Now, in, in lieu of everything that I've said to you about the progressive Christianity and the spirit of Antichrist and the warning signs, you, you're probably going to hear these scriptures from just a little bit of a different angle and, and see them through a different lens. Check it out. But evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Now, if that's not a warning, I don't know what is. You, however... Mm, 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 mm. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. That is so powerful. goes on to say, Paul writing to Timothy, that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, with it, which is in Christ Jesus, all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Did you see the deception? Did you see the progressive Christianity in there? Did you see the imposters? Did you see those that are deceiving and are being deceived? As I, bring, as I wrap this up tonight, let me help you. The way to avoid 
being deceived is to love the truth. The way to avoid being deceived is to love the truth. You need to be in love with it. You need to be dependent upon it. You need to be obsessed with it. You need to be addicted to it. The means by which you can ensure that you're not going to fall for a strong delusion is to love the truth of God's Word. Oh, you need to be so in love with it that you're just wearing it out. Are you still wearing out your Bible? Are you still doing the terror? The Bible thing, or have you grown tired of that? Have you put it away? Uh-oh, uh-oh. I spoke to some of you out there because you've put it away. You ain't finished. You haven't, you've lost that love. Let me, let me continue and quit pointing my finger at you. The way you can avoid the dangers of believing a lie is having a love for the Word of God. Listening, excuse me, reading the Word of God and listening to a man or woman of God that you can trust, that you believe operates in the Spirit of God, and that you believe is going to tell you the truth no matter how much it might hurt. So I need you to to do something with me. I need you to ask God to give you a heart to love the truth. The Bible says that the deception is going to be so intense that it might even possibly deceive the very elect. You better be in love with the Word of God and not your TV. You better be in love with the Word of God and not your mystery novels. I'm not saying don't watch. I watch TV. I don't read mystery novels. But I'm just, I'm, you better be more in love with the Word of God than anything else. You need to be digest, ingesting and digesting the Word of God like nothing else that you're doing in life. You need to study the Word. You need to dig into the Word of God as if you were digging for pure gold. You know there's a mother load there. You know there's a vein there. You can see it. You just got to dig a little bit further and get in there and get it. What do I always say? Y'all know. Keep your nose in the book. Well, I want you to keep your nose in the book as if your life depended on it because, brothers and sisters, beloved of God, it does depend upon it. This age that we're living in is only going to escalate in the progressive Christianity, the spirit of Antichrist, the deception and the lies is only going to escalate and increase as days go by. You better be ready, friend. You need to have a heart that loves the truth of the Word of God as if your eternity depended on it. Because guess what, brothers and sisters? It does. It does depend upon it. Now, I know that the things that I'm saying are straightforward. I was was talking to a couple of the guys that are here helping me do this broadcast tonight, and I was sharing with them, my pastor has this uh, thing he calls straight talk for preachers, and it's a special invitation thing where you go away, about 40, 40 or so people, and there's no recording, it's just straight talk for preachers, Pastor Barclay speaking straight to preachers. And although I am not going to steal his title, what I'm bringing to you on these Wednesday right these Wednesday nights right now, I could easily call straight talk for the church. And I'm not doing it to ruffle any feathers. I take no joy in that. I'm not doing it to bring offense. I take no pride in that. I'm not doing it to make you mad. I take no joy in that. But I'm under a mandate by God himself to bring the truth to God's people. And again, a part of that mandate that he's given me here in 2020 is to the people who call this their church, me their pastor, and God their Savior, their Lord, their King. Not that I'm 
not concerned about other people. There may be some of you watching either on Facebook or on YouTube, and you're like, well, I'm not a part of your church. Listen, I love you, and I care about you, and may the truth of the word that I'm bringing you penetrate your heart, your mind, and your spirit in such a way that you are convicted, not by my words, but by the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, to live a life acceptable unto the Lord, to live a godly lifestyle. But my first mandate is to make sure that these folks, those who call this their church, me their pastor, and God their king, ready for the coming of the Lord. I want to make sure that you know how to keep your garments white. Hallelujah. I want to make sure that you know how to live in such a way that you will not be slumbered, slumbering or sleeping when the bridegroom calls and you'll be ready to be the bride of Christ. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. <laughs> glory to God. Glory to God. Well, I, I, I want to send you out blessed. I say this often, you know, thousands of years ago, God spoke to Moses and Aaron, and he said, speak these words over the people. And when you speak them over the people, he says, I'm going to put my name on them, and I'm going to bless them. So as I speak these words over you, I pray that, that it, it, it works that way in your life as well, that he's putting his name upon you, and he's going to bless you. You all know the words. It's the normal benediction. May the Lord bless you, keep you, protect you. May the Lord shine his face upon you, be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you, and may he give you peace. Amen. I pray the Lord um, strengthen you in love and that you're walking in the peace of the Lord. Amen. I'll give you a little uh, tip uh, for Sunday before I say goodbye. Uh, here I'm giving you this <laughs> straight talk for the church. Title of my message for Sunday morning, No Need to Be Worried. I call you blessed. We'll talk to you soon. God bless you.